In 2012, six-year-old Taylor Searing drowned while swimming at the beach. But was it an accident or was foul play involved? Today, we'll discuss Taylor's home life, the events that led up to his death, and his stepmother's dark past on this episode of Technically a Conversation. Greetings. You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. Technically, I am one third of your host, Elena, and I am joined by my older brother, Jose. How's it going, big bro? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Well, this is the first time I research and present a topic, so please be kind. If not, then, uh, you know, that's okay, too. You're going to do just fine. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you don't know already, this is around the time we do what, Jose? The shout outs. That's absolutely right. It's time to acknowledge those who have shared our posts and are helping spread the word. Thank you for sharing our posts on your social media. We really do appreciate it. We normally would shout out individuals' names at this time, but because of the recording schedule, we don't have those specifics. But go ahead and click that share button on your favorite social media platform and make sure you tag us. You know you want to. Definitely. All righty then. With all that business talk out of the way, why don't we just jump right in, shall we? Let's do it. Awesome. Jose, I know the answer to this question, but for the show's sake, have you ever been to a beach before? I have not. You have not? I'm pretty (laughs) sure I've gone with you a few times. (laughs) I thought that for the show's sake, I should say no. Oh, okay. Well, good to know. (laughs) All right. And while at the beach, did you ever feel in fear for your life? Um, There was one time when I was, I think, five years old and I was sitting really close to the ocean. And then this big wave came and just like threw me into the ocean. And I was like super scared. And I know my mom like tried to go and get me, but I guess she wasn't really that quick. So my dad had to come and save me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was probably the most fearful I ever was as a little kid. Aside from when my dad was beating me, but... (laughs) That's a different story. <laughs> That's a different story. That's a different podcast. No, just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, I can't say that I would be be able to remember that because I would have been maybe, oh, I would have been like one, I guess. Yeah, it was the first time I went to California. Oh my gosh. Well, that's super scary. And I, I don't know if you've ever told that story before. And if you have, maybe I have uh, repressed that memory. I don't think I've ever told the story before. Oh, well, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Well, I love visiting the beach. I'm not much of a swimmer, but I love just laying in the sand and hearing the crash of the waves while I soak up some vitamin D. I love the scenery. Sadly, I do not live close to a beach, so I don't get to go very often. Elephant Butte, girl. It's pretty close. Eh, I I don't think that's really considered a beach, but it is (laughs) beach-like. It's a lake. Yeah, man-made, but... yeah. That's the closest that I can get, but I mean, it's still relaxing when I go. I love it. Indeed. Well, unfortunately, this next story is super sad, and a day of fun at the beach quickly turned out to be this family's worst nightmare. This was the scene of a very tragic event that involved the drowning of a six-year-old boy named Taylor Searing. This was at Bob Hall Pier in Corpus Christi, Texas. An all-too-common tragedy involving a drowning victim because someone went out just a little too far 
or maybe a parent or guardian got sidetracked and glanced away for one second. This is what one person is claiming in the drowning death of poor little Taylor. But was this really an accident? The only witness was Taylor's stepmom, Laura Lee Day, a 47-year-old entrepreneur and sales rep from Orange County, California. Jose, have you ever heard of this case? I have not. For some reason, the stepmom gives me bad vibes. Doesn't it always, though? <laughs> <laughs> it's always the evil stepmom, right? That's right. <laughs> all right, well, let me tell you how all of this went down. This story starts out when young Taylor's father, David Searing, met Laura Day in the same year of this tragedy, which is 2012. They had only been married for about two months prior to this disaster. They actually met while he was still married to young Taylor's mom, Kelly Searing. In fact, they were both married to their respective partners. Laura and David would vent to each other about their home life, and it was evident that they were both unhappy at home and with their spouses. Their friendship soon became intimate, which ultimately led to his divorce with Kelly, who was devastated and angry, but still loved David very much. She did not want this divorce, and she also claims that their son Taylor was not too happy with it, as reported on the 2020 show, Season 44, Episode 25, Wave of Deceit. But Kelly assured her son that their love for him would not change. In their divorce decree, Kelly made sure that there would be something known as a morality clause. Jose, do you know what a morality clause is? I don't, but I assume that if one of the parents misbehaves, they lose custody and they go with the other parent? Uh, sort of. As Henry Bell Law Firm PLLC explains it, the morality clause is a prohibition against a parent allowing their romantic partner to spend the night or being in the family home during overnight hours while a divorce process is ongoing or after a divorce. Overnight hours are sometimes described as between 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. Generally, a morality clause is meant to create a stable environment and continue the normal the children were used to before the divorce process began. Once a morality clause is included in a divorce settlement, it will be enforced just like the other terms of the divorce involving things such as property division, child support, and more. Now, let me ask you something. If you ever found yourself in a situation like this, would you think that you would request a morality clause? I don't think so. I think that's being a little bit too controlling. But at the same time, I don't have kids, so I can only say it with the experiences that I've had. But I don't believe that I would request a morality clause because I think that's me getting too much in the other person's business. True. Um, I I guess if it was an infidelity, like if infidelity is what caused a divorce, I think I might. I haven't given it much thought, mostly because I hope that I'm never in that situation. Shout out to my husband of 16 years, Antonio. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Now, going back to the story, David claims that he would not have married Laura Lee this quickly, but he knew that he wanted to be with her and she with him. She even went as far to say that this was love at first sight for her. And with the morality clause in the way, they decided to elope. And what better place to go and elope? Than Las Vegas. That's right. Las Vegas, baby. Only three months after their divorces were finalized, they went to Las Vegas and got married. Sounds like fun. It does. Laura Lee also had a son named Cameron, who was 17 years old at the time, and their relationship had become strained. And when she urged Cameron to go and live with his father, even though he didn't live that far away, 
Cameron was pretty upset about it. This pretty much meant that Laura had David all to herself, except for every other weekends when young Taylor would come and visit. It was there that sweet Taylor began to learn how to swim in Laura's huge house in Corpus Christi. She claims that Taylor was a great swimmer, and his father David thought he was learning way too quickly and was uneasy with how much he loved to be in the water. He always made sure that Taylor wore a life jacket in their backyard swimming pool. Fast forward to October of 2012, just two months after Laura and David got hitched. She took Taylor to the beach after picking him up from school. According to Kelly, it was not even David's weekend with young Taylor, but her son had expressed just how much he wanted to hang out with his father. A meeting that would never happen. Are you ready to hear how this terrible story unfolded and judge for yourself whether this was an accident or intentional? Mm, not. Nah, I don't think I'm ready to hear that yet. I think <laughs> I want to get a little bit more backstory first. All right, but uh, we'll go ahead and do that after these messages. Ah, okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Jane. And we have a brand new podcast called Bedknobs and Broom Flicks, where we talk about witches of the entertainment world. From the horror movies Warlock, Suspiria, The Witch, and The Blair Witch Project. To the more comedic or whimsical, such as Harry Potter, Hocus Pocus, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and The Blair Witch Project. No movie, TV show, or book is off limits. All witches, man witches, sorry warlocks, we're not calling you that, witches brews, witches of history, familiars, and witch-like activity will be discussed as we laugh and have fun talking about the wonderful world of witches. So join us every other week for some fun witchy talk. All witches welcome. If you like weird, spooky, and strange history, then I have the podcast for you. My name is Brenda. And I'm the host of Horrifying History. Are you into the dark side of history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, the paranormal, and unsolved mysteries, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Get your Horrifying History fix by subscribing today on Spotify, Spreaker, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And we're back. Jose, how was your break? Good. Just drinking a little bit of water. Just thinking about this ocean made me a little bit thirsty. Yeah, me too. Some high quality H2O over here too. Yeah, to quote Happy Gilmore, whatever his name was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Wait, I think that's, is it the same movie? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> he plays the same character in every movie, so. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As I was explaining to you before the break, Laura had taken her stepson to the beach that day after picking him up from school. She claims that going to the beach was Taylor's idea and that they drove home to change and get some items so that they could go hang out at the beach and he could swim. Laura alleges that he had his life jacket on but developed a rash and so she removed it, but not before making sure that he would stay in shallow water and assuring that Taylor felt comfortable and safe enough on his own. She turned around to head back to the beach for a moment, and when she turned back, Taylor was nowhere to be seen. Robachicos. Oh, yeah, right? 
<laughs> well, you when you're at the beach, I think the first thing that comes to mind is probably a drowning. Oh, that's right. But yeah, that could be one. Yeah, roba chicos. Probably second thought. <laughs> I think roba chicos would have been my first thought since I was ingrained into me since I was a little kid. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what a roba chico is, that means a kidnapper. She says that she thought that maybe he was just under a wave, but realized that he never surfaced. That is when she saw him floating face down nearby. By the time she got help, he was pronounced dead and she was arrested for child endangerment just three days later. What do you think, Jose? Does this sound like an accident to you? Uh, just with these details alone. With these details alone, it does sound like an accident. All right. Plus, now I kind of like the stepmom, so I think that she couldn't possibly do anything wrong. Oh. She sounded like a sweet lady. Oh, well, so far, right? <laughs> Let, let's keep going with the story and then you'll maybe change your judgment about her. It's like a roller coaster of emotions. For sure. Or waves of emotions. Ay. Calmate. <laughs> All right. How about if I told you that she knew how to perform CPR and she admitted to not administering it? That would sound a little bit suspicious, but when you get nervous, sometimes you're not thinking logically. Sometimes you freak out and I don't know what you think with, with your feet or something, but sometimes you just don't think with your brain. Yeah, well, that's that's what she's claiming. She's claiming that she wasn't thinking logically. She panicked. And basically what she did is just blow air in his mouth to try and get the water out. So she knew that she had to do something, but CPR was just not one of them. She, she's already there. Like, I think I would have, like, I don't even know how to do CPR well, aside from what I've seen, like, in movies and shit. But I'd be doing the, ha, 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 staying alive, staying alive, ha, ha, with the compressions and shit. There you go. I think those are timed perfectly, too. So there you go. Oh, you can't stay with the way I move. Well, once I get to that part, like, everything is off. <laughs> like, it's all, it's all fucked up now. I, I know. <laughs> oh, it sounded pretty good, actually. <laughs> All right, what if I also pointed out to you that there was a fire station about three miles away and she decided to drive to the hospital instead, which was 12 miles away because she thought waiting for the paramedics would take too long? Mm, I don't know. I think my first reaction would also be to probably go to a hospital. I probably wouldn't be thinking about going to the, uh, the fire department. Yeah, I think she said in her interview on 2020 that when somebody's life is in danger, the first thing you think about is a hospital, not a fire station. I think I would agree with her on that. Okay. Because again, you got to keep in mind she's nervous, so she's not thinking rationally. Right. She's thinking like an instinct. Okay. Well, maybe she did panic. I mean, how do we know what we would do in that situation, right? Maybe we'd, we would also freeze. But then there were other red flags that David failed to see, David being the father of the child. Perhaps he was uh, blinded by love or lust. Possible. I've fallen victim to both. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> First off, Laura was not even supposed to pick Taylor up from school. Kelly said that if she would have known that Laura was going to pick her son up, she would not have allowed it to happen. David thought that Kelly was just trying to give Laura a hard time about the situation and that he was stuck in the middle, so he thought it would be harmless. But remember that I told you that after Laura got with David... She shipped her own son away. Some allege that it was because she wanted David all to herself. When asked if she felt intimidated by Kelly or Taylor, 
Laura stated that she was very secure with her relationship with David. She felt no jealousy towards anybody and that they had even hired a lawyer so that they could obtain full custody of Taylor. David states that because he was so close to Taylor and given his history with Kelly, Laura did fear that he would someday leave her and go back to Kelly. There were even telephonic conversations that were recorded while she was in custody asking David, Do you love me more than you loved Kelly? According to an ABC News article. Of course not, you crazy bitch. <laughs> that was my my best impression of her because she was um she was often compared to that chick from Three's Company. What's her name? The blonde bimboish chick. Oh, uh Suzanne Summers or something like that? Yes. Yeah, that one. So she did have that that voice, like that very ditzy, really cutesy voice or whatever you want to call it. That is kind of cute. <laughs> but uh, despite the reassurances, David says that at the end of the day, she wanted it to just be the two of them. But get this, this chick has a past and one that David knew about because just one week before Taylor drowned, he had Googled her. Or I don't know if Google was a thing back then, but he, he searched her online. Looked her up on Alta Vista. Or ask Jeeves. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear all about it? Of course. All right. Well, according to the Baltimore Sun, in 1982, then 30-year-old Laura torched her own car to collect on the insurance proceeds. She pled not guilty. They found an accelerant used to torch the vehicle, as well as witnesses confirming that they saw her driving her vehicle last. A co-defendant also admitted to helping her ignite her vehicle in exchange for $1,000 of the insurance settlement. She has unrelated theft charges, bigamy charges, and murder. That's right. When she was just 17 years old, she shot and killed her 21-year-old boyfriend for breaking up with her, and she turned the gun on herself. Che vieja loquilla! That's funny because my, my uh, little comment was, Loca! <laughs> che loquilla! Yeah. Suzanne Summers or whatever. Sí, es un poco chiflada. Ta hueso. Oh, was three's company. That's why she only wanted the two. <laughs> yeah. She claimed self-defense and that she was a victim of abuse, even though there was never any proof of that. She pled guilty to second-degree murder, which means not, pre not premeditated or intentional, and served six years of her 17-year sentence at Springfield Hospital Center rather than a prison. Apparently, the bullet is still in her shoulder. Oh, shit. So she actually did attempt to shoot herself? Yeah. Wow. She was going to kill. It was going to be a murder-suicide, but she failed the suicide part. Oh, that's when you know it is love, though, when it's a murder-suicide. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. So how are you feeling about the story now? Um, I don't like her. You know, you don't like it, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, remember I told you that she drove Taylor unconscious 12 miles away to a hospital instead of phoning 911? Yes. Well, it turns out there was a witness. <gasps> a man named Renee was out fishing the day that Taylor drowned and claims, and remember, that this is a dying young boy in the back of her car, that as she drove away, she smiled and waved at him. She was just being friendly. Pinche Rene, under them people. She mind his own business. Don't you think that she would have been panicking or paying attention to the road instead of 
looking back at somebody and smiling and waving at them. Maybe she thought he was cute. Uh, maybe, but remember, she just got married like two months ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to be the devil's advocate here. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> All right. Well, the prosecutors also insinuate that they never drove home to change and that going to the beach was her idea, not Taylor's. There's evidence that he changed in the car and he finished his snack on the way to the beach. In a later recorded conversation, she admits to David that they did not head home first, which remember is what she had first claimed. What kind of snack was he eating though? I don't know. I would imagine probably some crackers, applesauce, maybe un sanguacho. Un sandwich. Un sandwichito. Un sandwichito. Una torta, una torta de milanesa, lo con su Coca-Cola, de the Mexican Coke in the bottle. Ay, qué rico. Although I can't see a, a kid that, well, maybe. I think we ate like that at that age. <laughs> yeah, look at how well we turned out. That's true. We turned out great. <laughs> Very healthy. All the healths. <laughs> no, but este, I imagine if it's a little kid, it, they probably give him some type of like a pre-sun or like one of those 10% fruit juice things. Oh, see. Because kids usually like to eat that or they like to eat like fruit snacks, I feel. All artificially flavored. Artificially flavored is the best. <laughs> I normally don't eat food that doesn't have preservatives. That doesn't have or does have? That doesn't have. Now you're making me second guess what I just said. <laughs> well, you said you, you like all the artificial stuff, so you want preservatives, right? Yes. Oh, okay. So I normally don't eat food that doesn't have preservatives. Gotcha. If it does have preservatives, then I'll eat it. If it doesn't have preservatives, I don't need it. Well, some of the preservatives can be natural. It's usually what I try to look for. No, like formaldehyde, it's natural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't think you're going to eat that. <laughs> Nah, but you put it on like a little bit of crema, so that, that way it preserves your skin. Oh, sure. Takes away las arrugas. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, going back to the story. Oh, that's right. <laughs> a drowning expert witness recalls the conditions for the date and stated that it was doubtful that the events would have happened the way that Laura describes them. On January of 2013, Laura was charged with capital murder. And after six days of trial, she was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life without parole. Now, I know that we weren't present during the trial, and we were not presented with all the facts of the case. But at this point, do you think that this was just an honest mistake and that she just panicked, as Laura claims? To this day, she claims her innocence and has requested a retrial, which has been denied. I think I would have given her the benefit of the doubt had she not been found guilty of murder before. But being that she already has a history of being kind of crazy and kind of violent, I probably wouldn't have believed what she said. Had, had she not had that history, then I would have been like, well, you know what? It could have been a mistake. Take my second child. And if you murder my second child, then I know that you were probably lying about having murdered my first child. But, you know, since she has already that history, I don't really trust her anymore. Well, that's pretty dark. <laughs> Take my second <laughs> child and hopefully you don't murder him or her. Well, actually, they didn't have a second child. Taylor was their only child at this time. Yeah, we're not going to be able to test that theory. That's true. Well, I know this episode was a little bit shorter than normal, but there is such a thing, I guess, as writer's block. And I was a little nervous, so I hope it was okay. No, it was excellent. It was much better than my first episode, the Play-Doh one. <laughs> At least you didn't make a fool of yourself by trying to sing. 
Oh my God. <laughs> That'll be next episode. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And we hope you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yeah. Follow us on the socials at GreetingsTAC, email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story to share with us. If you would like to share with us how your stepmom tried to murder you, send it our way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure... That would actually be a legitimate story, though. Like, not the only one. That would be kind of sad, though. That would be very fucked up. That was just a joke. Please don't send those stories. Too late. Too late. You already opened. You already opened it up. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Follow us on the socials at Greetings Tech everywhere. Greetings Tech. (laughs) (laughs) T-A-C. Pareces nueva, tú. (laughs) Greetings Tech. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the greetings stuck. <laughs> All right, let me start over. Okay. <laughs> I might just put that at the end, though, as a little All funny right. thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bloopers, real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Greetings stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, has a calor. All right. We hope you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, <laughs> these are the outtakes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try not to laugh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll turn around. <laughs> okay. We hope you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts <laughs> you turned around. So I have to do that. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll do it for you. <laughs> okay. <sighs> we hope you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe. Wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yeah. Follow us. <laughs> follow us on the socials at greetings TAC. <laughs> Can't do it anymore. Okay. 